Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Sad Faced Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know it's not smart? Not giving the ball to Jason Tatum in the fourth quarter when he was the only guy in the team who could shoot. I probably would have done that. Clear out for Jason Tatum. No, that didn't happen. You know it is smart? Hiring with ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. It's so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek, the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event for NBA, NHL, baseball, whatever, you know what to do. All you have to do is use promo code BS. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. If you didn't check out the ringer.com this weekend, I actually wrote a column. I wrote a column about Jason Tatum before game seven and how he was the best player on the Celtics and only he, he, he was the only one who didn't realize it. I'm not even positive he realized it yesterday during game seven. But... Uh, it was really about the whole season and how improbable it was. And you saw how improbable it was in game seven last night when uh, when all of a sudden all the threes that were going in all season stopped going in. We're going to talk with my buddy Hench about this a little bit later. We're also going to talk about uh, the World Cup and the Champions League with Rob Stone, my longtime friend who works for Fox. And at the end, an unexpected Memorial Day weekend treat my daughter is going to come on to talk about pop culture for the 13-year-old range age bracket. This will actually cheer me up. My daughter has some hot takes. Anyway, if you want to check out TheRinger.com right now, LeBron James was written about by Jonathan Jarks. Danny Heifetz wrote about the biggest Westworld swerve of the season. Katie Bakes wrote about Capitals Gold Knights. Uh, there was a solo exit survey by the Ringer staff and a whole bunch more. Check that out. I know it's a holiday, but we have some stuff for you. Coming up, uh, we're going to call my uh, buddy Hench. But first, Sad Face Pearl Jam. All right, we're not calling my dad today. He's he's honestly too traumatized. He uh, I'm I'm worried about him from a health standpoint. You can follow him on Twitter at Doctor Bill 1947. We'll 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 talk to him at some point before the end of the month. Uh, another person who's traumatized, my buddy Hench, who has watched as many of these Celtics games as I have. Kevin Hench is a screenwriter in Los Angeles. He's working on a Netflix show right now. He watches an inordinate amount of Red Sox and Celtics games. You might remember him from a bunch of my page two columns popping in there. And his fear this whole season was that all the terrible threes we took this entire season, we're going to come back to haunt us at the worst possible time. And that's what happened, Hench. That's what happened. Oh my God. The crazy thing about the, the three for 26 from three point land that Rozier, Jalen and Marcus Marshall is like totally still just hoisting them. Like there was never a moment of doubt on any of those 26 threes. Like maybe I'm not feeling it tonight. Maybe I shouldn't shoot this one. And yeah. then after the game, Marcus Smart was like, 
my thumb is killing me. It's like, okay, you, you can't shoot anyway, and your thumb is killing you, but never a moment of hesitation, um, which I guess is a testament to Stevens and how much confidence he instills in those guys. Uh, but it was, you know, it was really, really hard to watch. Like, uh, it was ugly. It, you, know it what, was, you know what hurt the most? I think all of those threes were open. No, the, it, it, we, we got crazy good looks. I mean, the, the, the sequence that just summed it all up, summed every, the, the nightmare up was the crazy Marcus Smart offensive rebound on the mystery throw. You know, oh, the, the rebound only he can get. You're t- you're, he, he so two and a half minutes, two and a half minutes left. We're down four. Missed the second free throw. Smart gets a rebound and with seven guys around him. And Th- kicks it to a wide open Marcus Morris. Who, by the way, if you freeze frame this play, he decides to shoot the three. There's nobody within 10 feet of him. He he could have dribbled forward 10 feet and scored. He could have just barreled to the basket. Nobody's even near him. And but you know yeah. you're you're obviously you're happy with the look. He's he's wide open, and you know in the first uh, half we definitely had some threes that climbed halfway down and out. Yeah. In the second half, I mean they were not close. They were like Morris missed, shot an air ball on an open three, and this one was far right crotch clank, not close, so not close that the long rebound came out, and Rozier was able to tip it. And we got another offensive rebound. And then Rozier got another good look from the corner, the short corner, the easiest three in basketball. And it's a horrendous clank, like just not even close. You know, by the, you know, I mean, I, it was just, it was, I felt like um, Malcolm McDowell in A Clockwork Orange with my eyes pinned open, just watching, the, you know, as a, as a shooter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's know. true. You're a good three-point shooter. You know, and I'm the poor man's Tim Legler. And I just could not believe that the all the wide open looks that weren't close. These are professional basketball players. They weren't close. Yeah, I it, we lost this game three different times. The first time, up thirty five twenty three, nine minutes left in the second quarter. The crowd's really into it, and this is kind of what happened in Game Five too. Except Cleveland never made shots, and it didn't matter. And then in this game, same thing. Bad possession after bad possession after bad possession. And also guys just not going to the basket. When Cleveland, Thompson's the only big they had. Lance was unplayable. He came in and was just a a train wreck. And they really had nobody else. LeBron is the leading rebounder in the team. It's just like, just go to the basket, go to the basket. And instead of the Celtics Jack threes. You know, and of course, obviously, I watch these games on a ridiculous knife's edge. I, I can't believe how nervous I still get. Like, what is wrong with me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mess on every possession. <laughs> but on on that possession, when we were up 35-23, and it's, it's exactly what your column said about Jason Tatum. He's going to be the last guy to know he's our best player by far. <laughs> yeah. He's the last one. He went baseline, 35-23. And he got his shoulder past his man as he did every time he dribbled the ball because no one on that team can guard him. And he wasn't open, open, but it was one of those situations where it's like, if you're the man, you get greedy and you go up and you force the ref to make a call. And instead he did this Fred Brown, Georgetown pass to the other team. (laughs) Like it was shocking. It was two feet from the rim and he threw it to them to start a fast break that George Hill finished for a layup. And I was like, okay, now it's 35-25. It was about to be 14. The roof was going to come off the place, and they were ready to die. They were ready to die. And it was like, 
okay, they're not dead. And then, you know, JR hit a three, and it was like, oh, shit, this is going to be a game. And the problem with it being a game is if you make it a 24-minute game or an 18-minute game or even a six-minute game after Tatum hit that three after he dunked on LeBron, in a short game, they have the best player on the court. Like, they can, they're, they're always going to have the best player on the court. Yeah. And LeBron was not nervous. It's surprise, surprise, surprise. The guy who's been there a thousand times was not nervous. And, you know, he made a series. I mean, those little bank shots he made. like those He was incredible. Shots. He was so good. But so uh, good. It, they needed to build the lead up in the first half so that the math made it impossible for the Cavs to come back. Because basically, you know, Green showed up, which we can talk about in a second. Other than that, their role guys didn't play well. If you look at the other the other five guys they played, they they all really didn't do anything. And he got 19 from Jeff Green. And he had 35. They only scored 80, 88 or Seven. something, um, 87. But the Celtics, they're 35-23, and then they score 42 points over the next 33 minutes of the game, which is kind of impossible, especially when you're going against uh, a team that's only playing seven guys that has a best player who's who's playing 48 minutes and trying to conserve his energy on one end. And uh, it was all the irrational confidence stuff that I wrote about in that column over the weekend, but we watched for six months where guys taking no, no, yes shots over and over again, where you go, no, no, yes. And then there was no yes in this game. It was just no, no. Oh, and it was just well, over and over in, again. In a weird way, because the looks were so good. It was yes, yes, no. Yeah, true. It was a reverse. Yeah, you're right. It uh, was like, okay, that's a great look. Absolutely, Jack, that. How did you miss the rim? Yeah. You're an NBA player. The, uh, the second thing is like, we took 46 twos, 39 threes, 19 free throws. We only turned the ball over five times. Yeah. And we scored 79 points. That's those are sixth grade boys numbers. It's impossible. Yeah. Impossible to score 79 points with those numbers. Five turnovers. Scored 79 points. It was the second lowest true shooting percentage they've had in a game this entire season, counting regular good, season or playoffs. Good time for it. The second and, time they lost the game, Tatum has that incredible dunk, which by all accounts in the in the arena was like um, giving the entire crowd cocaine. And then he hits a, a crazy three and he does the little, injects the three into his veins. They have the lead. And he should have injected the three into Rozier's veins. <laughs> That's true. Maybe you should run over and put it. So at that point, you're like, here we go. This is amazing. 10 years later, after the Pierce LeBron duel in game seven in 2008, now we have Pierce 2.0, who might even be better than him. This 20 year old kid who, who took a picture with LeBron, you know, when he was eight is now going to battle this guy in a game seven. And what happens? He doesn't get the ball again. I don't think he had a ball. I don't think he took a shot for another three minutes. Everyone else is jacking up threes. And I agree with you. And this is why I wrote that column over the weekend. I still am not sure anyone on that team could stay in front of him. And even when he lost the ball, it would be, it would be because he made a bad pass or he or he uh, got called for an offensive foul that probably wasn't a foul, but he's a rookie. But it just didn't seem like they could stay in front of him. And he was the only person you could say that about in the entire Celtics team and yet wasn't getting the ball. And and. I just don't understand. I don't know whether it's his fault. Is it Steven's fault? Were we, were the players just jacking up? What did, whose fault is that? Well, I mean, it's the weird thing about good players is that he's obviously got great instincts, 
played a year for Krzyzewski. Like he, he's very coachable, you know, which is part of why he's going to be so great. But so it's not in his DNA to go run to the point guard and go, give me the ball, get, get out. I'm the best player on our team. Yeah. Get out of my way. I'm going to Kobe it for the last six minutes, which is absolutely what we needed. I mean, even Big Al got a great look and it wasn't close. Like, I mean, no one, everyone was gripping it a little too tight, except for a 20 year old who was just preternaturally poised. He just flushed on LeBron. And I'm, sadly, we do have to talk about Rozier's decision making. Good wow. God. What, 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 did you think you were going to dunk on LeBron? Like, I just can't even imagine. Like, I mean, in a weird way, it's heroic, like, to have that thought. But it was like, talk about, talk about giving them life. You know, we've got the ball. We're coming down on the break. And, and we, we fill them with life. Yeah. Really. And ESPN had the five replays ready of it immediately. But when Tatum dunked on LeBron, Mark Jackson had to plead for a replay like three minutes later. So can we get a moment replay of, of, uh, of our 20 year old dunking on LeBron? Yeah. Tatum didn't touch the ball really again. I my the one thing I did not understand in game five or game seven was why not do, why not use Tatum the way the Cavs use LeBron where they would put him just give him the ball 35 feet from the basket on the circle, on the jump ball circle, and spread everyone else out and just have him beat people one-on-one. I, I really feel like he could have done that, and I will never understand. Maybe they felt like he just isn't mature enough as a player. If they sent a double over, he wasn't going to make the right pass. But I still think fundamentally he's going by everyone on their team, and I don't understand when nobody else could make a shot why that wasn't an option. I don't get I mean, it. I definitely know, you know, obviously – we feel the same way about Brad Stevens. This guy's just he, he improves everybody that he talks to. Yeah. It's, it's shocking. But I think in game coaching, one of the hardest things to account for, it's like when your system is producing open shots, that's all you can ask of your system. So you don't really have a you don't go like, okay, we're getting great looks, but I have to change something True. because none of the guys getting great looks can make them that's not really something you're anticipating in an NBA game. Like it was, it was, I mean, Oh, for 10 from three, Terry, Terry. Yeah. You know, I, I texted you last night. I think, I think Eric Bledsoe ended up winning that feud. So <laughs> no, sad. no, he's the one. So uh, it's funny though, LeBron, cause his supporting cast was, was breaking threes too. I, I think they were like two for 17 or two for 19 at one point. And he clearly, this is a veteran experience thing was just not giving up on J.R. Smith and Jeff Green in that game and I just know, kept finding them for open looks. And, and it clearly was telling them in the huddles, you're making these, I am not going to stop passing it to you. You have to make these. And he somehow turned Jeff Green, who is one of the five most frustrating players I've ever rooted for. I still blame him um, for one of the playoffs that we lost because he didn't show up and has been on six teams and has let down every franchise he's ever been on. And as somebody who no-shows at the worst possible times, and there's nothing in his entire career that pointed to him showing up for game six and game seven that were both must-win with LeBron James, and yet it happened, and he was probably one of the best four players in the court. I'm still coming to grips with that, Hench. Well, that's going to be a tough one. <laughs> I mean, you know, he played so well last night that, you know, I'm sure we were all thinking like, would would Kevin have loved, would Kevin Love have done that? Would Kevin Love, you know? Yeah. I mean, he was he was very smooth. I mean, he took it to the he took it to the hole a couple times. He you know he finished strong. He hit those two threes. 
Um, and even though Corver was only one for six, the one he made was bonkers. <laughs> like that was probably his hardest attempt. Yeah. Al was in his face and he just buried it straight away. That uh, was, there were so uh, many that- moments where I was just like, oh God, that's going to come back to haunt us. Oh God, that's going to come back to haunt us. And one of the possessions, I think there was like eight to nine minutes left in the fourth. They missed. Jalen went up for the rebound, got two hands on it, and it squirt, somehow squirted out of bounds. Like, he had yeah. two hands on the ball, and it squirted out of bounds. So now they have an inbound play. They throw it right to Marcus. Marcus Smart. They throw it right to him. It hits him flush in the hand that doesn't have a broken thumb. <laughs> right. And it bounces off his hand and goes right to LeBron for a basket. It was like, no, we had the ball twice on that possession. Yes. That's going to be, you know, it was, there were just so many moments like that where you're like, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Hey, I want to talk about LeBron. Uh, we got to talk about Gillette though, really quickly. Pause your phone, Hench. Um, I went to Gillette last week when I was in Boston. Went to the headquarters in Southie, which Southie is completely unrecognizable these days. And, uh, and got to learn a little bit about Gillette and what their history is and how they make the blades, all that stuff. It was really amazing. So when I do these Gillette mid rolls, I'm going to, I'm going to add a, I'm going to sprinkle in a little wisdom about Gillette. Cause I feel like they let me behind the curtain a little bit. Here's the, here's the first thing I wanted to mention. Gillette started sponsoring sports in 1910. They did an ad with Honus Wagner, John McGraw, Harry Davis, Hugh Jennings. All of them were plugging the Gillette safety razor. And Honus Wagner, who's one of the great second basemen ever, he said, I shave with a Gillette. I know of nothing that can induce me to change that decision. So Gillette has been ingrained in sports. We're looking at 110 years. They're approaching the end of their 11th decade. Uh, Now, that's not why you should get the Gillette 5 razor. You should get it because it's a five-bladed razor lubrication strip. Has that. Provides great gliding performance, less irritations. It's got a 360 aqua grip handle. Gillette offers a variety of shaving products for every guy, regardless of personal style, skin needs, or budget. And the ladies as well. My wife loves the Venus Vanilla, which I found out when I told her I was going to see Gillette. She's like, see if they'll send some Venus Vanillas. I was like, just go buy some. Uh, Whether you want three blades or five, the new Gillette 3, or relatively new Gillette 3 and Gillette 5 razors have you covered all under $10, high performance at a low price. All you have to do to get Gillette performance delivered to your door is go to GilletteOnDemand.com and you can buy all the Ven- Venus Vanilla flavors you want. They had this one part in the lobby at Gillette when they had all the razors over the year, years and I got nostalgic seeing um, whatever Gillette I was using in, in the late 80s when I started shaving in college. I was like, hey, I remember that razor. It was like seeing an old girlfriend or something. Anyway, check out Gillette. All right, let's talk about LeBron. It was an incredible, incredible, incredible performance by LeBron, as everybody has uh, gushed about the last 18 hours. I The thing that stuns me is just to, first of all, it was every other night, those last five games. He goes 48 minutes in game six and 48 minutes in game seven and still had, you know, enough energy to make some big shots. He made the one big block and um, I, I've just never seen anything like it. And I, th- I think- you know, everybody's going to argue about him versus Jordan, all that stuff. They, the the team that he just beat, that he just barely beat in the Eastern Finals is probably the worst team he's ever barely beaten during his entire playoff career. I, mean, I don't think it can be overstated that the Celtics were missing their two best guys. Right. And he was missing <laughs> one of his best guys, but we were missing both. Uh, 
And this, the, whoever he plays in this next round is just going to be much, much more talented. But what I, what I was amazed by during this whole playoffs with him was the endurance that he just, he just never seemed tired. His shots were never short. He was never front rimming many, it. I mean, it. It was crazy how many times I felt like, because obviously when he gets squared up on Aaron Baines or really gets, gets ISO'd on anybody, Rozier on these switches, you know, the thing, the, the last thing you want is for him to go strong to the hole. And so he, he settled, I felt like a lot in this series and made a lot of shots where I was yeah. like, I'm totally happy with that shot. Oh my God, he made it. That one footed thing that he seemed to master against Toronto, like that's, that's the shot where you beat LeBron. Like, oh my God, he's shooting a one footed fadeaway. This is the best we can hope for. And he just shot such a good percentage on those shots. He's got Aaron Baines isolated and he's shooting a 20 foot fadeaway. This is great. Flash, splash, splash. Yeah. He was, he was unreal and he didn't get tired. He, it's almost like he realized I can't barrel to the rim for four quarters because if I do that, I'm going to get worn out near the end. So when, when he's settling for those shots, he's partly settling for them because he knows it's just better for his body not to whatever do that. He took some big hits in that game. Well, One of the funny. things it's like, it's like when Shaq was in his prime. And of course now nobody remembers that Shaq was the most dominant guy in those three finals teams. I was seeing tweets last night about the guys who made the finals the last 20 years. And it's like for 00 to 04 was all Kobe except for 03. It's like Kobe was the second best player at all of those teams. What are you guys talking about? Yeah. But uh, the punishment that Shaq used to take in those games where he just guys jumping on his arms and guys just, you know, basically hitting with a two by four. It's LeBron was taking those at least five times a game against the Celtics team and just was unfazed. It was incredible. No, the 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 uh, the Marcus Morris horse collar having no effect on him laying the ball. <laughs> None. In. Like, like, he puts it in like, anyway. Oh my god! Oh my god! It's <laughs> He's such a freak. There was a moment in the first quarter where, you know, Mark Jackson was kind of calling him out a little bit because he yeah, wasn't always playing inexplicable. Good D. Yeah, what you what know, was that? He, you know, he didn't. Um, you know, Jalen. LeBron didn't even get screened. Really, Jalen went baseline and went to the three. And LeBron just didn't chase him. And it was pretty conspicuous. It looked a little James Harden-esque in terms of effort on defense. But I thought to myself, I'm like, he knows he's playing 48 minutes. Yeah. He knows he can't fight through every screen for 48 minutes and make shots in the last two minutes. Like, this guy, I mean, obviously, these post-game press conferences where he basically walks you through every possession of the game. He sees the whole game. He knows everything that's happening. Nothing surprises him. So, you know, he was like, I'm, I'm pitching nine innings or 10 or 11. I'm pitching every pitch of this game, and I need to have my fastball at the end of the game. And he did. I mean, it, it is it's crazy. And I, look, I mean, obviously, I think Michael Jordan kind of perfected basketball. Like it, that, that was just such a, an amazing experience to, to live through that time and, and watch basketball. But... You know, it's it's a, it's a the game always evolves a little bit, and you know, if Michael Jordan was guarding LeBron, they'd have to send a double for him too. I mean, nobody can guard this guy. He's too big, too strong, and you know, and he's really become a good shooter. I don't know, like, what would you do? Like, he would back Michael down and dunk on him. I, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I know it's sacrilege, but there's just there's no comparison. He's 80 pounds heavier than Michael Jordan. Well. I think the one thing you'd have to say is if, if, 
if you put the '90s Jordan into whatever we're whatever era we're in now, I I just think he's a lot stronger. He, he got stronger no, no, the last yeah, two everyone's years. Bigger, everyone's bigger. Yeah, Although those those legs, I don't know. Yeah, but it's like Jordan. Hey, I, LeBron has some advantages with this era that even you look at his body from 2008 to now, and it's like a different human being. And um, he's just massive now. And you can see it for the massive. first time like, last year. I, by the way, I saw him like three year, three or four years ago at one of the All-Star weekends and and talked to him and and like tapped him on the shoulder when when we said goodbye. And it was like hitting like a like a... Range Rover. It was, it was just like, oh my god! No. The, and this was Bill four Russell years ago. Not guard LeBron James. Yeah, like, but I think he's. he's I think Carl he's even Malone stronger size. now. Yeah, he's bigger than Carl Malone. I think he's stronger now. And you could see in the finals last year when uh, when they were about to lose Game Five, and he just started bullyballing them and doing that. They cleared out, and he just kept doing these spin move, bowl the guy over. They're not really ever going to call him for an offensive foul unless he just accidentally hit somebody in the head. There's no way to guard it. And it it was like he learned from that last six minutes, oh, I can do this. And it's really like watching Shaq or Wilt. You know, it's like when we hear about Will Chamberlain going into six foot eight white guys in 1961. And it was like, how do you stop him? He just overpower them. That's, I, I don't really know who the right player is to, to stop that. Who, and then, you know, his, as soon as the double comes, he always finds the right guy. Like, it's just yeah. like, he just knows where everyone is. I mean, I love that guy so much. He, you know, it, it wasn't always that way for me <laughs> with him. And I was like, it, and I just, over the last, you know, probably five years, I've just been like, wow, wow. I, you know, I think he's, I think he gets underrated in MVP voting like every year. Yeah, well, they, but that the thing is that's a regular season award and you can't just project what somebody's ceiling is. Like you have to actually, I have to vote for that. And I always think LeBron, you know, that he's, he just didn't play defense this year. It's really hard for, to vote for that, but he's pacing himself for the six game stretch that he just had that really has to rank among the, among the best six game stretches ever. Um, the last six games in Boston, 37 points, nine rebounds, eight assists, 55% shooting, 46% shooting from three. Oh my God. It's like, it's superhuman. 25 shots a game, basically 10 free throws a game. He's 25 and 10, just field goal attempts and free throw attempts, uh, a steal and a block, five and a half turnovers, who cares? But that six games, granted he's going against like the baby Celtics missing their two best players. It's still like, the game he played yesterday was the hundredth game of his season. Oy. That's the other thing he's played. I think I saw a stat yesterday. He's played 550 more minutes than anyone else in the NBA this year, which it's is basically shocking. that's an extra 12 games, but also these playoff games almost count like a game and a half. Like that game seven yesterday is really should count as a game and a half. And uh, it's, it's really incredible. But I, I also, you know, if they're going against golden state next round, the key is like when they're getting people into these switches in this whole ISO era that we're in now, where it's all about just getting somebody stupid to get switched on you. And in the Celtics, it was over and over again, Terry Rogier. It, it with the Warriors, it's just going to be harder unless it's Steph. Now, there, I don't, is, I, am I like, it feels to me like you, if, if the move every possession is send the guy that the weakest defender is guarding, 
to go set a ball screen for James Harden or LeBron James, you know, whatever. You're just going to get switched to get your weakest defender on their best player. Right. The fact that it there seems to be no a defense for this, there's no adjustment for this. Like it almost feels like, um, you know, a, a, a zone. Like I'm trying to think of like something that would would a zone result in worse matchups for. Like it just seems like if you're getting. You know, Curry can't guard James Harden the way Rozier can't guard LeBron James. Right. So if that's what you're ending up with on half of the possessions, there's got to be a better defensive thing than just switching everything and giving them exactly what they want. Well, I think you could make a case that if 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 I had to do it over again with one move, I, I think that this is going to sound crazy. You almost don't play Rozier at all. And you, put, you play Semi, who is a heart attack, but... It would almost be like your goal is to just have all guys who, if they get switched, can guard LeBron. Yeah, no. And that's that's, a, that's that's just your starting point for the game. It's like LeBron will never have a mismatch in this game. And whatever, we'll score 79 points on offense, which is how it played out anyway. But I mean, sure, you lose Rozier's 2 for 14 and 0 for 10 <laughs> from 3, but... Good God. But, yeah, but maybe that's what they should have done. If you gave Semi all of those minutes... At least LeBron has to work a little bit harder. Yeah, Maybe Jason run Tatum runs. Let's run it back. Jason Tatum we is point up. forward. Uh, but next year, Kyrie back. By the way, can we officially put to rest the maybe they should trade Kyrie? Maybe they don't need <laughs> okay, him. I, okay, I, please. Was, uh, I was definitely guilty of some hyperbole during the Rosier run. <laughs> we don't need Kyrie. Yeah, but that's that's just what you do. That's your process. I, I look at you oh like it's like when Chappelle goes to the comedy clubs and tests out material that's on the line and you can't judge him. That's how I feel with your texts and stuff during the, yeah, uh, during the playoff runs. I appreciate that. It's very gracious of you. Cause yeah. I do lose my mind every time. The, like you know, right now the- you would, if, if Drew Pomeranz was crossing the street, you'd, and there was nobody around, you would run him over. Well, we, there's multiple reasons for that. We've just added <laughs> Stephen Wright. To our <laughs> yeah, that's so true. We have I the would, double I would have to clip him. <laughs> <laughs> just, just take him on the hip. Just get him on the DL for sixty days. The, uh, but yeah, the Rozier thing. I think people really forget how unbelievable Kyrie Irving is, and the whole reason you have Kyrie Irving is for yesterday's game specifically, and that was the whole reason to trade for him, and that's the whole reason you have him is because in a game like that, he is not going to be afraid. He's and not going to play poorly. He's going to get, get good shot. shots. When things break down, he will save the possession. He will go eye to eye with LeBron. Now, I think we learned yesterday with Tatum, young Tatum, that, and granted it was a home game and he couldn't really do this on the road, but we learned, uh, we learned, we learned from young Tatum that it's coming. It's going to happen. And barring injury, he is a can't miss. And that's why I wrote the piece I wrote, but I loved when he dunked on LeBron and kind of went at him. And then Listen, I believe in this stuff. After the game, LeBron with that hug and whatever he said to Tatum when he was in the embrace, like that's a, the other players know who the good come who the good coming players are. They put in the time with yeah. them immediately. To it's not sucking up to them. It's just kind of getting in early with those guys because they know down the road um, those guys are going to be special guys and they want to get in on them early. And you know, in a way, LeBron is trying to weaken them a little bit. Make Tatum yeah, think like, uh, oh yeah, oh LeBron was so nice to me after we lost Game uh, Seven. I like that guy, Jimmy Connors and Aaron Crickstein. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> Aaron, hey, you're Aaron, great. Hey, buddy. come over to the mansion and hit some balls. Yeah, hey, uh, buddies. Um, 
the uh, no, your 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 column about Tatum was like, of course, it terrified me. So I'm like, why are you jinxing our guy? But the fact that he was able to play through your jinx column, yeah, and, and my dad's and, tweets and spike on LeBron and then hit that three, um, I think it laid to rest any doubt about his you know ceiling, his, his limitless ceiling. Um, I will say this, like you know. It's the silver lining, kind of, of a devastating loss. But like, LeBron is is just so classy. Like, it's just so crazy how classy that guy is. Like, yeah. you know, he he had multiple opportunities to wipe guys out in this series. Like, he's he's two seventy all muscle, and like he just doesn't he doesn't hurt guys. He's just he's got this understanding. Like, I'm not gonna, you know that you know even even the Rozier dunk early in the series. He could have gotten him, but he would have had to foul him. Yeah. And I just think he just, you know, he respects players. He respects the game. Obviously, he respects, you know, Tatum. It, was it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this right, but I think it was Jordan Crawford who dunked on LeBron in like a practice or a summer league game. And it was, and like LeBron didn't want the tape to get out. And that Tatum dunk was like, well, Despite ESPN's best efforts, you can't keep that tape from getting out. Like, yeah. There was a little torch passing right there. He's an incredible player. And and if this is the last run for him with Cleveland, um, they can't ask for anything more than that. He gave them he gave a championship. Seven years, came back. Yeah, gave him another four, 11 years, all these finals appearances, and at least one title. Who knows? The Kevin Love coming back. If... If I, I mean, if you're Cleveland, your best chance right now is that Houston somehow pulls Game Seven out of their ass, and um, and now you're yeah. going now you're going against Houston with an injured Chris Paul, and really nobody on that team. Not that anyone has anybody, but uh, at least the Warriors can throw Durant and Draymond at him, and even a little Iguodala. Houston does not have. The no, LeBron I mean, guys. is obviously their best defender, but he's thin. You know, yeah. it's like you can't. He'll fight. He'll scrap. PJ Tucker has had uh, not great success against LeBron, um, but yeah, if if you told me Chris Paul was healthy, that's different. But there's no way Chris Paul is healthy, and I'd be shocked if he played tonight. I'd be shocked if the Rockets won. Um, I think I said this on Friday's would podcast. Would you be shocked if Clay Thompson goes zero for ten from behind the arc? No, I would actually. Yeah, I would kind of be shocked. <laughs> um, they they did what they needed to do in Game Six. It was actually something I predicted on my podcast. They just fired up threes, and I think they know that without Chris Paul, the way to beat this um, Warriors team is to go twenty for forty eight from three or nineteen for forty seven or whatever it needs to be. They it has to be with math. They have the guys to make the threes, but now they're a player short. Now, you know, it's just the, the it, it, what's the Iguodala story. I assume he's going to play. We're ta- right now. It's ten o'clock West Coast time. I assume he's going to play. You know but, that's that's massive. I mean, you you've been saying that all along. It's like this underrated part of their secret formula. It is funny though. You and I, we played basketball for a long time in our own lives. There's always that Quinn Cook three in any game you're in. The guy that. You're like, oh, you just took wow, you you just took the biggest shot of the game. Why why? Um, you fumbled it. Right. You couldn't you couldn't catch it. Catching a basketball is much easier than making a three pointer. Once you fumble it, 
you know, on that on that shot, Harden had given up on Curry. Curry's yeah. wide open at the top of the key. Uh, but but Cook is so open, he he's like, I can't not shoot this shot. And he's a good player. But, but that's not. the thing with these pivotal playoff games. I said this on Friday, I'll say it again because we just watched it yesterday. Like the higher the stakes, the the brighter the spotlight is on the things you're worried about with your team. The Celtics team had seven guys and by the end and was relying in a supernatural way on just these threes from guys who aren't great three-point shooters to just go in at the right times. And it you know, happened the entire playoffs. Made three to win the championship for the Cavaliers. When, you know, I mean, yeah. I, you know, obviously, you know, Kyrie and LeBron playing together and it took every it molecule to win that series. But when Kyrie made that three, you're like, oh, he wants the ball. He's unaffected by the bright lights. He's just not, he's the same guy, yeah. you know, when he's uncle drew or he's just, he's just, his, his nervous system is, is just calm. Yeah. And then, you know, watching the Celtics, like it was like, Oh, these guys are tight. They're tight. You don't, you don't miss open looks that badly. If your nervous system feels fine. <laughs> or I mean, it also might be just too wired. You know, I like, I think sometimes people think like, too tight means like you're choking. Sometimes it's like you have so much adrenaline, you uh, no. you honestly can't channel it. You know, no, it's and like I, when a when a guy hits a nine iron, 180 yards over the green, it's right? Like, what just happened? Right. And so I, you know, I and I also think like when you're going against LeBron, who is the best player of his era and is one of the two best players of all time now, and it's a game seven and everybody's watching and you're the crowd is so fired up that, you know, people react different ways. And the thing I'll never understand about yesterday's game is why Jeff green reacted in a, in a positive, effective way. I'll never understand that. We've had, we've, we've had Jeff green in our lives for 10 years. How does that happen? I, w I wanted him to take every one of those shots, please, well, please take another three, is, Jeff green. You know, I'm glad you're recording this because this is, it's the only time I ever going to say this, but um, Mark Jackson made a good point. Whoa! About, <laughs> mark it down. Um, you know when you're playing, when you're on the team that has the best player on the team on the court, it's relaxing. It's like we've got that guy. Yeah, that guy is going to do almost all the heavy lifting. There is that feeling of like any shot I make is gravy. Anything I do, any positive, any defensive rebound I get, any loose ball I, I pick up is going to be a bonus because that guy's going to do everything. And then and the flip like side they, is the Celtics, where you're like, "Oh crap, we don't have." You're that like, guy. "Hey, you got to make this shot." Yeah, we got to make very this. good player. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that 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 was unfortunate that Jeff Green. The crazy thing is, is that none of our 32 bricks from three point land was bad enough to hit the glass and go in. <laughs> yeah, Even if true. one of those yeah. had uh, just been off by four more inches. Well, lovable, lovable uh, Celtics team. Oh I my God. I really did feel like so there's, there's so many parallels to the Oh one Pats. Uh, one parallel was, was not that uh, they kept going. They, they finally fell, but uh, they really, they, people really love this team. I, I think, People remember them fondly. I think the all the terrible three. What was it? Seven for thirty nine. Finally, from three. Oh my goodness! Um, it it doesn't have the same kind of magnitude as the John Starks um, game seven, nineteen ninety four meltdown no, because, because that was you know, of the finals even, with the title at stake. 
yeah, we were trying to psych ourselves into believing that Houston could win tonight and we could beat them. Yeah. But, you know, the reality is um, that this team probably went, you know, further than it, than it should have. I mean, I don't feel like they should have beaten Philly. I thought Philly had more talent. You know, Vegas didn't think they should beat Philly. Yeah. (laughs) It is like, but I mean, if you're Philly and you just got, you, you lost in five games to a team that's going to add Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. Right. That can't feel great. And hopefully Luka Doncic. I'm, 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 if he starts falling, I'm ready to trade everything. I'm ready. Make a move. Hench, um, come back, uh, come back to talk uh, Red Sox and fantasy baseball and all the crappy pitchers we picked up. We can do that Absolutely. after the finals. Uh, thanks for coming on, buddy. All right, brother. Talk all right. to you soon. See you. All right, we're going to call Rob Stone and talk about World Cup and the Champions League, all that stuff. But first, it's wedding season. I wish the black tux had been around when I went to like 25 weddings in my 20s. With high quality rental suits and tuxedos delivered to your doorstep, the blacktux.com makes weddings or special events easier than it's ever been. They have for free home try on so you can see the fit, feel the quality of your suit months before your event. It's completely done online. No trips to the tux shop required. Again, it is wedding season. Although not for me. All my friends are either married or divorced at this point. After ordering your suit, will arrive 14 days before your event. If anything is less than perfect, the Black Tux will send you a free replacement right away. Wear it, turn heads, send it back three days later. It's that easy. Shipping free both ways. We've had multiple Ringer staffers use it, and they loved it. Have you used it yet, Nephew Kyle? Haven't had a reason. All right. Nephew Kyle, someday. Maybe it'll be your wedding. Get started now. <laughs> Visit theblacktux.com slash BS to get $20 off your purchase. Again, theblacktux.com slash BS. The Black Tux, premium rental suits and tuxedos delivered. Let's talk to Rob Stone. All right, on the line right now from Fox, my longtime friend, the stoner, Rob Stone. He is about to leave his wife, his four kids, and his dog, or are you bringing them to the World Cup? What are you doing? No, no, they're coming later. Are you kidding me? You bringing them in the chaos of Russia at the World Cup? Even I'm not that dumb. Have you been to Russia? I haven't. I haven't. I can't wait. It's one of the one of the main things that you know selfishly I'm looking forward to because you know I mean particularly guys like you and me, Billy. Like, we grew up with Russia as like Drago, right? Yeah. In war games, you know that's that's how we that's how we know. Russia, and I'm really curious to know how Russia knows us. Is it you know Ronald Reagan and George Bush? You know, you know how much of you know tear down this wall is is relevant there. So I, I'm excited to really meet the real Russians. Although there's some Russians, my guess is I'd like to keep my distance from. Yeah, um, but I'm I'm thrilled to get out there and just kind of see what what the vibe is, what the cuisine is like. Um, you know how, how these people live every day. It's, it's going to be a great learning experience. Yeah, we grew up with Cold War Russia, and now it's the uh, much more friendly Russia who just interferes with our political election. It's much better now. Right. Um, It's Cold War light. (laughs) uh, I want to talk about the World Cup in a second, but we're coming off Champions League, and probably the the most polarizing social media moment of the weekend would have been Ramos and the the Dwayne Wade armbar that that basically – you could argue it changed the course of the game, but then the Gareth Bale scissor kick, whenever the scissor kick happens, I always compare it to uh Pele and victory, which was the greatest moment of my fictional sports movie life. Probably. Um, I'm always amazed anyone can do it in real life. And you actually played soccer through college. Did anyone ever do a scissor kick in any game you've ever been in? 
I know they've tried it. I don't think they've been successful. I think I did like a reverse scissor kick where I was, I dove head first and I kind of flung my heel up behind me and it like connected something and harmlessly floated over the keeper for, for a goal. But like seeing a real bicycle kick is pretty awesome because it's amazingly difficult just to get up and then to connect. And then once you connect, you, you really have no control over where it's going. Yeah. So it's just, it's dumb luck, you know, and, and to see them get struck the way they happen and with that force and, and then in the moment, you know, in a Champions League final where it's just world-class players surrounding you and you're able to elevate off the bench and do something like that, just, just pulls yourself uh, out of the seat. But I, I do think the ramos Sala thing is, is fascinating. You know, it's Ramos, you know, with another classic heel turn and, uh, you know, getting the, getting the booze on him and, and Sala walking out as, as this wounded, um, you know, this wounded warrior that everybody wants to have the belt. But no, but the man, Vince McMahon, won't give him the belt. You yeah, know, it's, it's classic wrestling in soccer. Was that if? Listen, I'm just parachuting in. I I'm a casual soccer fan for this stuff. It just seemed a little intentional, and I didn't even really fully know about all of his history. And everyone, like on our Ringer Soccer Slack, just went crazy. Like, oh my god, he did it again. It was that kind of stuff. It just seems like he's like the Bill Lambeer of soccer, basically. Right, and and whether. Bill meant to do something or not, he's going to get blamed for it. And yeah. I've, I've looked at that foul and, you know, I think 50% of the time I look at it, I'm like, Oof, you know, a little, little, it feels a little dark. And then there's other moments where I'm like, look, you're a grown man. You're an athlete playing at a high speed. And if your body, you know, whatever your weight is, 180, gets thrown off its axis and it's tilting down, you don't have a lot of time to adjust where your arm is placed and, yeah. and how you dislodge it and where things go. I mean, Stuff like this happens all the time in, in pickup soccer games in basketball where bodies just kind of hit and, and the position you're in when you start, when gravity takes over, you're kind of victim. Uh, so I, I'm totally torn on it, but I find myself more and more leaning to being sympathetic to Ramos just for that one instant, um, you know, obviously with the pedigree that he has. But it, it, and it hurts me more because Sala was becoming this, this mythical type creature, this guy that you know, we've spent all these marketing millions saying Nasty and Neymar and Ronaldo coming your way this summer live on Fox, right? In the last month and change, you know, guys like Stu Holden, Alexi Lawless, and myself, we've kind of said, and Mohamed Salah. You know, like, there needs to be a fourth name included in this must-see list. And it, it looks like, fortunately, he'll be all right. You know, sprained shoulder ligaments is what they're saying right now. And as my good friend Chris Spielman would tell me, well, Little doctor feel good. We'll take care of something like that, right? If you got you got broken bones and you know torn knee ligament, you know, good luck. Sorry, you're out. But a little shoulder love, right? This little doctor feel good will clean you up, and you'll be fine for ninety minutes. Yeah, suck it up. It's your shoulder. It's soccer. You can't even use your shoulder. Get out it's there. Your shoulder. Come on, it's the do, World Cup, right? Um, it pops out. Pop it back in. So the first goal that the Liverpool goalie gave up. My daughter has been playing youth soccer. I think she she was five. And that was a worse goal than any goal I've ever seen in any of the games she's been in. It was a flat out atrocity. I can't even believe he got his foot on, on a goalie roller or whatever you call those little goalie throws right? when they roll. Yeah. It. Yeah. He was just, he was trying to roll the ball out just to get the counter attack going. Even, even getting, your, yeah, even getting your foot on that is like, I've probably seen that two times in my life. And then for, 
him to actually aim it toward the goal and get a goal out of it. I've just never seen a worse goal. It's the single worst goal I've ever seen in my life. Where does it it's, rank for yeah, you? It, it's stunning. Yeah, I feel, I feel so bad for the guy, you know? Uh, and then the third goal that Terry has let in with Bale and people are like, Oh, that ball was knuckling. I'm like, I'm sure nah. it was. I'm sure it was coming with pace, but I'm pretty sure I could have, I could have just punched that thing down or hell even caught it or just thrown my face in front of it and, and done better than that. And, uh, he was all, he was under fire already this season for Liverpool. They were already kind of sniffing around Europe to look for a backup for next season. Yeah, uh, and I think the way that ended, you know, pretty much confirms his exit. Mm. Well, he's he can be a male motto. He'll be fine. The uh, the the he irony. Is handsome. He is handsome. Handsome dude. The irony of an English dude knocking out Liverpool on a bicycle kick. I don't know. That was sitting there too. That's a, that's a tough beat all the way around. If you're a Liverpool, Liverpool fan, which is really like, I always felt like they were the pre 2004 Red Sox of England. It was my takeaway on Liverpool. There, you know, I, I, I feel like there, there's definitely this element that Liverpool should have just been happy to have been there. Yeah. Um, no one expected it from them. You know, if anybody was going to make it out of England this far, it was going to be Manchester city. That's where everybody was kind of hedging their bets. And then to have this wonderful run and have this, this triple-headed attack that Liverpool has, and then being led by this 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 mythical character from from Egypt that's doing so much in England after having been kind of kicked out of the country before for not getting it done. It, it, it was an absolute feel-good story, a thousand percent. Uh, but now, what does Liverpool do? You know, where are they on the pecking order right now? Because I still feel they're you know third, fourth, fifth in England. You know, not Europe. Third, fourth, fifth in England, and and they've got a bolster, but it's, it's like every sport in every league, you know, what have you done for me lately? And how good are you? You know, the Celtics get eliminated, you know, in the Eastern conference championship where frankly, a lot of people didn't think they would even make it there because of all the injuries they went through. And now these expectations are, are elevated and they've got to go out and, you know, find a way to be better next year. And now Liverpool has got to find a way to be better next year. You know, and, and part of that is re-signing their stars and, and draining their bank account and trying to, find supplements to make them stronger. It, it's tricky out there in the sports world, no matter what profession it is. And I think even more so in soccer, Bill, because if you're, you're looking at NBA, you're looking at NFL, essentially you kind of have a finite talent pool. But if it's soccer, you're going all over the place. You know, you're, you're trying to find the African talent who happens to be playing in Russia or Ukraine right now who could be that breakout talent. You're trying to find Brazilian guys who are still in Brazil or are playing now in, in some smaller country and smaller league that could be the next Neymar. I mean, the scouting that has to go on uh, in soccer just, just stuns me. And then the gambles you have to make, you know, the financial gambles of splashing millions and millions of dollars to hope that this talent um, can live up to it and recoup those losses. Major League Soccer is doing it right now. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but they've transitioned away from, you know, finding these, these older legends, these older vets who, who are pretty much, you know, on their last legs. And coming here to sell jerseys and, and sell seats and, and drum up the interest, but now a lot of clubs are saying, you know, let's spend that money and let's maybe stretch our budget. Like I'm house hunting, you know, that's what yeah. everybody does in their house hunting. Like here's my budget, and then you're like, okay, that that doesn't work for my budget anymore. I need to stretch to really get into a better school system. You need to stretch to really get into a better talent. They're trying to find these young South American talent, you know, in their teens still, you know, that 17 through 19, even 20 year old window that they could barely afford right now, right? Like, all right, we're not going to do organic eggs for the next year. It's just going to be normal store-bought eggs, guys, because we're, we're barely sneaking this guy in. But if he pays off, 
boom, in two, three, four years, we're going to sell them off and we're going to double, triple that price. It, it's just one big gamble. First of all, how dare you that I, I'm not following what's going on with the MLS. I told you I got LAFC season <laughs> tickets. You got LAFC tickets. I told you that. You know I got that. You don't don't play dumb. So proud of you. I'm you, so proud of you. That, I, that, are, that stadium, by the way, is, is glorious. I, anybody who comes to the greater Los Angeles area, find a way to get to an LAFC game. It's it a is, big. It is a really nice experience. Yeah, it's a big success story. They actually did everything correctly from start to finish with that stadium. And it was executed perfectly. I still somehow haven't gone, but nephew Kyle went and uh, and oh. had to be basically kicked out. He took my seats. He's producing this podcast right now. He took uh, he took my seats. He took his his lady friend, and they even kept the VIP place open for an hour after the game. And I, I think he basically like passed out on the way home. Like it was like really really fun. So I, I think we've captured the drunken part of what makes soccer great in America. Yeah. Now. They, they were telling me they, they got the upstairs area that's like soccer Coachella. And, yeah. Uh, I'm all in favor Great of that. Great job. Hey, plus, for, plus, you may run into Will Ferrell, right? Yeah. Magic Johnson. Who knows? These wacky LA celebrities. I forgot to ask you, uh, Bale's goal, what is the basketball equivalent of that? To do a bicycle kick in a championship game for the go-ahead goal with 30 minutes left. What is that? Like making a 75-foot three? And getting like a four point no, play I, from I 75 feet. No, I think it's more dramatic than, a, than just a long range shot. You know, it's, it's either that, that corner three fall away, uh, at the buzzer while you get fouled and you crash into either your bench or the opposition's bench to give you the lead. Or it's one of those, you know, LeBron, Michael down the lane dunks over, you know, an Elijah Wan, you know, or David, you know, like, some one of those emphatic moments of I'm stronger, bigger, better than you are, and you're still world class, and I just showed you up. Mm. Okay, uh, World Cup. So I mailed you a list of all the all the uh, teams that have odds because you know my you know we don't have. Yeah, it's a... funny. Was was cousin Sal involved in that text as well? No, you know who's involved in that text? Me, because I don't know if you noticed, but uh, my country doesn't have a team in the World Cup this year, so I'm gonna have to pick one and bet on them and pretend that's. My team, which is really sad. It's a sad place yeah. to be. So who, um, who do you want to who do you want to be your team? Not not like the odds, but is there a country out there you're like, man, I want this to be my team. I want this to happen. Well like, I you want Iceland, like I want Iceland to have this magical run. All right, I'm looking right now. I mean, I love Messi. That's that's the team I've watched the most. That's the team my daughter and I watch, and her club tries to play the same offense as them, and I'm I'm Definitely attached to him. It's a bandwagon pick. I think it would be fun if Argentina won. I'd probably talk myself into that one. They're 10 to 1. I sent you the list. I told you to pick um, one of the favorites. I, to I told you to pick a mid-range sleeper, and I told you to pick a sleeper. And you you texted me back, only the top six teams can win. The top six teams on this yeah, list. So you sent me a list of, of the countries with the best odds. And yeah. I've been going through this and going through this for months and weeks and days. And eventually the conversation does go to like, all right, who's going to win? But, you know, who else should I think about maybe rolling some cash on? And, and I do try to find that outlier. Um, but they just don't really exist at the World Cup. And, and I, I look at the 32 teams and it's really easy to check a lot off. Like, no, 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 no. Thanks for playing. Enjoy your three games. And then there's a few you're like, all right, they might advance. But in the end, you know, I can only come up with six countries that are going to win the World Cup. You know, Germany, Brazil, France, Belgium, 
Spain and Argentina. In the end, I, I truly feel it's going to be one of those six. Yeah. Um, and uh, of those six, Germany's the favorite. I get it, and I totally understand why. And if it's if it's Rob Stone's money, I'm putting it on Germany, but I'm not going to make a lot of money. But if if my my son Camden snuck in and you know took my ATM card, I would hope he would put it on Belgium because Belgium's in that kind of five or six range, and they're having a golden generation right now. Um, as long as they're good off the field, they're going to be fantastic on the field. So I, I do like Belgium. Every time I, I rework a bracket, I have them like definitely in the semifinals, and then now I'm like kind of like them in the final. And now I'm starting to talk myself into this. I think they might be able to take Spain or they might be able to take Germany um, in the title game. So Belgium is kind of like my medium, my medium long shot. And then if you, if you want to get a little bit deeper, you know, again, the odds will tell you, Bill, that just go for a country from, from South America or Europe. Okay. So just cross everybody else out. Sorry. You know, I'm just being realistic here. It's going to come from one of those two areas. And then I, I lean towards these, you know, you got a game breaker. You got somebody who can change the game at any moment. And you got one in Ronaldo. And, and I know, you know, he's, he, he's been there before, but he, he helped this country win the European Championship two years ago when it wasn't expected. And, and they did it without him, essentially, in the championship game uh, in France versus France. So that would be kind of my, and I know that's not a hardcore long shot, but Portugal would be in there. I think a Croatia would be in there as well. Portugal, 22 to 1. Uh, the Ringers' Ryan O'Hanlon loves Colombia at 40 to 1, which fits your South American thing I, I like at least. Col- but I like Colombia like quarterfinal Colombia. And for them, that's, that's kind of a win. You know, that's patting themselves on the back like we're, we're rising. But Colombia, Colombia, like Colombia semifinals? <sighs> yeah. But again, it, it, goes, it does go to my philosophy. Like, at least it's from South America, right? These are guys who deal with adversaries constantly, deal with high-level competition, um, deal with expectations. So it's not a horrible choice at all. But if you're looking at the teams from South America, you know I probably have Colombia as my fourth-rated team. You know with with Brazil and Argentina and even Uruguay in there. Germany four to one, Brazil plus four fifty, Spain six to one, France plus six fifty, Argentina and Belgium ten to one. And uh, England- a lot of folks are jumping on the Spain bandwagon. I mean, I know they're what picked to essentially to your odds, what picked to finish third or fourth, something yeah. like that. But uh, there, there wasn't a, a ton of chatter about them, but they've been able to blend in the, 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 the old generation and kind of some of this new talent. And it's worked out well because you know, sometimes that doesn't, that doesn't go so well, particularly you know, in international soccer. Plus, I think, you know, I always lean back to these, these game breaker type guys, people who can change the face of the game. And the best goalkeeper in the world right now is David De Gea, Manchester United, mm. plays for Spain. Um, I, give, I give Spain a, a lot of benefit, and I give them a deeper run because, like we're seeing, like, like you see every year at the, like the Stanley Cup, I feel like, a team rides a hot keeper, right? And, and that, that keeper is going to get you X saves, it's going to get you X wins, and I feel the same in a big tournament like the World Cup. You get a hot keeper, uh, somebody your back line and midfield trust that they can, they can go forward and they can take some gambles and, and buy you some goals because you know the guy behind you is going to stop it. That's one of the reasons that Spain keeps kind of creeping up 
more and more people's list that they, they can do some real damage. It's funny to talk gambling with you because you're one of the worst people to go gambling with probably in I the am, United States. You're just terrible at it. You don't I'm like the cooler. Spe- I'm the cooler. You always yell at me, get away from the table. So you don't know what you're doing. Why you don't are you, like why losing you money. There? Yeah, you don't like losing money. You don't obey any of the rules of if everybody else is sitting down, you put hands on people's chairs. Uh, you just do a lot of things I disagree I'm with. There for the, I'm just there for the drink lady. Like, when does she come back around? Because I'm ready for another Jack and Coke. What and then, is the hold up here? And then you, you're arguing with the drink lady because you're not playing. And she's like, only people who could play can have a drink. And that now we have to listen to that. It's just, you're a disaster. I've in the I wrote I think in 2009 the last time I ever wrote about going to Vegas with my buddies because I I was turning 40 and I retired that gimmick, but uh, you're prominently featured in there and uh, let's just say that you just kind of wander around and interfere with people and I didn't appreciate it. But but uh, the next morning in the uh, in the steam room sauna area I'm an all star. You're great. You're great at breakfast. You're great if yep. you're great yep. on the walk down the strip. Uh, you're fun in a Absolutely. sports book. It's you're all yeah. good, but I once play, it's about I know 11, my role, Bill. I know my role. I, I'm here to serve certain purposes. You were you're fun in other places that we probably can't talk about, and then uh, around 11 p.m., <laughs> you just don't want to. You're not somebody to be gambling with. You're just not. But that's the Connecticut in you. Connecticut's a very boring, boring 100% state. 100% true. 100% true, my friend. Um, how are you feeling about wrestling these days? Uh, I don't, you know, I'm kind of excited. I'm not allowed to be excited yet, but I'm kind of excited for the future of WWE uh, and, and what might be happening with one of its brands, with a company that I might be working with currently. Well, wait, um, that, got, that got reported, uh, though. But, SmackDown, it looks like SmackDown I is going to Fox reported, on Fridays. Like, I had my hand slapped, like, saying, don't tweet something yet because nothing's been signed. All right, but let's like, say, you know, let's say hypothetically, uh, let's say hypothetically, hypothetically, SmackDown goes to to uh, Fox. We have been joking for really since the mid-90s about if the soccer thing didn't work out, make a run as a, as a wrestling announcer. I, I, Wait, I, who was joking? Because it wasn't me. Right. Yeah, I was joking. You were dead serious. And like, do you have any number? Is there somebody I could call? Uh, and now this might happen. I, I feel like you have to weasel your way into the SmackDown thing. I don't think your bosses really fully understand how, how invested you are. Actually, I, actually, frighteningly, they do, Bill. Because okay. uh, I, I did send some texts to our president <laughs> when there were conversations <laughs> that uh, negotiations were going on. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm sending you this. I apologize. You know, stay in your lane, Stone. But I was like, hey, you may want to make sure you, know, you get some of these addendums. Like, like you always have X percent of the, of the top tier stars on the SmackDown card. Yeah. And, you know, how do we get in the pay-per-view world? Like, how great would it be to, to have, um, you know, uh, whatever, backlash uh, on Fox? You know, one of those type of things. So they're aware of it, but uh, there's other people at Fox who, who love WWE as much as I do, and we've all kind of come to the the conclusion that it's best just to stay out of their way. You know, they're a juggernaut. They know what they're doing with production and, yeah. and talent and storylines. At least you hope they, they are. That it, it's best just to, like, you know, plug in and plug out. Like, just give us the product. We'll put it up here. You keep doing your thing. But uh, I, I'm, I, you know what I am, Bill? Because I'm going to be gone for, like, two months. This summer, I'm looking forward to a little break from it. Yeah, because um, I need I need to recharge my batteries just a little bit. The storylines have been kind of they've been they've been dragging me a little bit. I'm still involved. I still love it, but I 
I need something new. I need something fresh. You know, I need to. I don't know what it is, but I, I need I need some new intro music that fires me up, that makes me want to watch. You know, uh, first I have two two points. First, I think you should start a, a wrestling feud with Coward, who has been horrible to wrestling fans for his entire career that he's been on the radio and called them booger eaters and all this stuff. I've gone into his yeah, show and argued about it, but he's being heel. He's being the heel. He's perfect. I know, but but. Like about six months ago, all of a sudden he went to a show. He was talking about how great it was. I was like, oh, Fox is definitely getting wrestling because they told Coward, like, <laughs> stop with the Booger Eater stuff. Uh, I know right. how he feels. I know deep down how Coward feels. He 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 thinks wrestling fans are Booger Eaters, and I think you should feud with them. Second, we should mention, I don't know if I've ever told this story in a podcast. I did write about it, and it's in my Red Sox book. If anyone uh, wants to go on Amazon and get my Red Sox book for $2, at your wedding in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> yes. With the band? Uh, the It was right there in the height of the Stone Cold Steve Austin um, the and the Degeneration X and the Suck It that Triple H and uh, Shawn Michaels used to do with the X with the crotch chop. And we were really into it. We're in our late 20s. We love wrestling. Wrestling's back. The Rock's involved. There's so there's just so many elements that we love, and we're just doing wrestling stuff all weekend. And when I say we were beating this joke into the ground, I don't. I can't even really fully capture the impact of that. But it got to the point at the church on Friday when we were doing the rehearsal. I think I walked in and somebody was like, "My God, that's Bill Simmons's music!" And we were like in a church, like it had gone to that level. And, uh, and everything culminated at the hotel Saturday night after the wedding, after the reception, we're drinking in the hotel at a bar and Steve Mahady gives the Generation X suck it thing to one of the people in the hotel band who then charges Mahady. And, we, <laughs> and there was nearly a hardcore wrestling brawl at the Holiday Inn in Pittsburgh. It was the drummer. He jumped off the stage. So he's like, he's coming off the top rope, flying in with the stick. Trying to finish off uh, the Italian stallion, Steve May. <laughs> who who is you know he Although was. It might have been Camp. It might have been Camp Shropshire, by the way. What a oh what yeah, a it was Camp. Like, if anybody should have been with that's what it was. Yeah, it was Camp, right? It was Camp, and then Mahady came in third man in and tackled the drummer, and uh, and and then we had to explain to the band, no, he wasn't trying to insult you. We all still watch wrestling. And that's what's actually going on here. We all we all still are doing uh, wrestling, even though we're in it our was like the twenties. Uh, what was Triple H in before? Was it the Greenwich Street Posse or something like that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it that, was. That's, that's exactly what it was. But it was an incredible weekend. And yeah, so that's how the suck it, it the generation chant almost led to a fight at your wedding. My point is, you should probably be involved in this SmackDown thing somehow. Maybe post-game show? Maybe like a pre-game, maybe like a pre-game or post-game show. Pre-game, uh, I like you know, it. As the kids like to say, a little shoulder a little shoulder programming. Because yeah. you know what, Bill? I don't have enough on my Fox Sports schedule right now. And yeah. My wife is saying, you know what's great, Rob, is if you could find more things to do. I'm sure Carrie says that to you as well. Hey, Bill, you know what would be great? Why don't you bang out a podcast on Memorial Day weekend? Yeah, <laughs> Monday. Idea. I'll see you in three hours. Uh, so you have college football, you have World Cup, then college football, and then, uh, but you, you they took college basketball, college basketball, but Champions League is gone now. Champions right? League is gone. Yeah, that's uh, it'll, sad. It'll be replaced on my schedule by something else that hasn't been announced yet. How oh. about that? What does that mean? 
What's I'll, that? I'll tell you when we're done. Hasn't been announced You'll yet. You'll be able to figure it out. But it's all right. All right, SmackDown. Right. Great. But then, uh, but then, you know, the wrestling thing, the wrestling dynamic is interesting. I'll be very curious to see uh, what Fox does with it. If they get it, if they sign it, all the talk was, what, Fridays? Fridays on Fox with the SmackDown brand. I, I, I admit, I'm a raw guy. I'm a raw guy, uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to turn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do a heel turn well, on think, Raw and go right to SmackDown. I think for what Fox is reportedly going to pay if this plays out, I think they would have to beef up SmackDown a little bit and really make it more of a combo. Uh, Rob Stone, be safe in Russia. Um, Try to stay married. Try to be a good dad. Try to FaceTime as much as you can. And uh, and I will talk to you over the summer. I'll be interested to see, uh, get the reports. Don't, don't, don't take drinks from strangers or anything like that. Just monitor monitor Understood. what's going on in your I body. Gotta, I, I've already been given a burner phone, so I'll give you that number and you can call me at any time. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, thanks again. See you, buddy. Bye. All right, we're bringing my daughter in in a second to get uh, the lowdown on 13-year-olds. But first, every BS podcast fan knows that I love FrameBridge. They make it super easy and affordable to custom frame your favorite things from art prints and posters to the photos on your phone. I can't think of a better friend for Father's Day. I really can't. Father's Day is not far away. Go to framebridge.com, upload your photo from your computer directly from your Instagram feed, however you want to do it. They will print it if it's and print it. It's a physical item like ticket stubs, art prints, or posters. They'll provide secure prepaid packaging and you can mail it in for free. The expert team at Framebridge custom frames your item in days, delivered your finish ready to hang piece directly to your door. And instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39, all shipping free. They have thousands of five-star reviews, including one from this guy right here. They even offer a happiness guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied with your order, they'll make it right. Order a custom gift for any dad in your life right from your phone. Go to framebridge.com, use promo code BS to save an additional 15% off your first order. Framebridge.com. Promo code BS. All right, last but not least, my daughter is here. It's Memorial Day. She's there from school. There's a lot of teenage pop culture stuff happening right now. She's officially a teenager. Um, I'm not even sure where to begin, but let's start here. The Kissing Booth on Netflix. (laughs) One of your favorites in a while. This is like an old school... Um, high school rom-com that I grew up with. You love this one. What did you love about this movie? Um, I mean, there's a lot to love for kids my age, especially because it fills in everything that anyone who's 13 and under could possibly want from a movie. <laughs> what is it's that? I like, want to know what that is. Um, well, there's a lot of drama and there are... Well, can you give us the plot really quick? Yeah. So the plot of the movie is these two best friends who've been best friends since they are born. Female and male. Yeah. Set a series of rules to stay friends for as long as they possibly can. So it was like there are a bunch of rules and one of the rules happened to be like you can't date any of the relatives of the best friend. And the boy best friend has an a, older brother. An older brother who he's kind of like in the shadow of. Who you and my wife were both in love with during the movie. <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> he he's like six four, six four handsome guy. So she starts developing feelings for him, and then and you kind of know where it's going to play out from there. Yeah. It's not going to go well from there. <laughs> yeah. But, so oh, let's keep it from the younger brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it ends up like 
should I spoil it or no? No, don't spoil it. Okay. But that one was yeah. good. You love that one. That was in your wheelhouse. Movie. How uh-huh. many times will you watch that over the next 10, 10 months? I mean, it's on Netflix and it's free. So I can guarantee about like 25. Okay, great. Possibly. Um, also on Netflix, Stranger Things, which you and your brother loved. And we just had season two and you guys plowed through. You plowed through all of them? Yeah, within like the first night. Okay. Winner? Yeah. Thumbs for sure. up? For sure. What was your grade? Um, I mean, for a show that's directed towards kids my age, but it's also like older people can watch it. Adults kind of like Yeah, they you. put in little pop culture references yeah. from my era. So yeah, I'm and intrigued. It's, it's set it's set in your time more so. My time. In the your old days. Time, the old days. And it has that feel about it. So it's like directed towards kids my age and adults, but it contains like sci fi elements. And it's a little spooky, which is yeah. what you kids like. Yeah. Well, you know me and Ben like scary movies. Yeah. Um, so that was a win. So thumbs yeah. up on that. Yeah. But then 13 Reasons Why I came back, which is a very controversial um, show with parents because it's about this girl who commits suicide and then leaves this trail of clues for all these people in her life. And um, people thought it dramatized suicide, which it, it kind you, you could make a case I mean, that it does. Yeah. Um but then in your school, like, do people want you to watch that? My sh- school does not per, um, support us watching the show, especially because of like recent incidents. Yeah. Not throughout my school, but throughout other schools and kids around my age. Like it's a really sensitive topic. Um, But I like watching the show just because I feel like not only does it, I guess, focus on like real life difficult situations and like topics that people have struggle um, dealing with, but it deals with suicide. It deals with sexual um, assault, sexual assault. <laughs> I can't believe I let you watch this. Why, why do I let you watch this? <laughs> I don't know. Cause it doesn't, I guess it deals with it in an intelligent way. Yeah, it does. I mean, it doesn't show too much, but it kind of gives you that thought of like this, you know, what's happening. And it's kind of like, I guess, you know, a woke show where yeah. you're watching and everything's that's happening is kind of like happening in the real world right now, just within a high school. So it's okay for a kid who has the right head on their shoulders to watch it. Yeah. But what happens if it's somebody who, who maybe doesn't have the good infrastructure on them? That I, That's what bothers me about I the mean, show. I, feel I like, wish this show didn't exist if it were up to me. Yeah. And there should be age restrictions. Or you should have to, we or, don't let you watch it unless you're with us. Yeah. I'm not allowed to watch it on my own, even though I want to, but, um, that's not going to stop your brother probably. No, (laughs) but, but, but there's a lot of things that aren't going to stop Ben. Yeah. Well, that's all right. We, we, we at least did well with one, with one of you. (laughs) Um, but you didn't think season two was as good as season one. I I think it's terrible. I think it's actually a terrible show, but that's my opinion. Season. I think this show was kind of a show just for one season. And then they brought it back And then they brought it back. And I mean, there's really no point in having a second season, except like it's showing all the court cases and all the things happening at the school after Hannah's death. It's a snoozer. But it's just like it it wasn't worth all of the things that they had to put into it to make another season that's not even that interesting. I mean, I love it because I love horrible things, but 
You've you like basically everything. You you like all content. <laughs> yeah, I just saw Deadpool too, and I loved it. And I hate all superhero that type of stuff. They and shouldn't have brought back Thirteen Reasons Kyle, Why. I think it was a money grab. Um, well, the one we were watching over the weekend, Never Been Kissed, with Drew Barrymore. Which oh, you had I never love seen that, that movie. <laughs> that movie's terrible. You love it? No, that. it's not. That I movie also it. hasn't aged well because now, twenty years later. It's not really a great idea to have a plot where somebody goes back to high school and the teacher falls in love with them thinking it's yeah, a high school I mean, senior. Not really like a topical. Watching it innocently, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like you don't think about that f part of the movie that like this high school teacher is falling in love with one of his so-called students, which isn't actually a student. So it's kind of like creepy, I guess. <laughs> kind of. Looking back at it. It's I would say like, it is creepy. Yeah, it's creepy. It's well, like you support all Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore yeah, is one I of your season tickets. Yeah, for sure. She'd be one of your top five people to meet. Mm -hmm. Hell of an actress, <laughs> that Drew Barrymore. Um, the the other one that you loved on Netflix. Oh, Alexa and Katie. Alexa and Katie, give us the plot for that one because that this okay. was I've never seen you more upset that a show wasn't coming that back. A show because. You're, you've grown up, you just get these shows on streaming and you just get to watch them from start to finish. I literally watched the entire season one in one day. I plowed through it in one day because I like could not stop watching it. It was only like 10 episodes, right? Yeah, but they were pretty long, like 30 minutes long each. Yeah. I did nothing. That so day. give us the plot for that one. Okay, so the plot of Alexa and Katie is this girl who is diagnosed with cancer, is going into her first year of high school with her best friend. And they've done everything together and she doesn't really tell her best friend that she has cancer. Mm. And she, or she has it again, I think. Like she'd had it before. It came and back. She was cleared by the doctor to go back to, to go to high school and it came back. And she started losing her hair and her and her, her best friend being super supportive she like shaved her head with her. So they were both bald going into school and had to like deal with all the factors of having cancer and being looked at and being treated in a different way. This doesn't sound like a comedy. No, it's, I mean, it has it's funny like, moments. It's light and airy, I guess yeah. you could say. But if you actually think about it, it's like a really kind of sad show. But. Um, it combines everything you like because you yeah. you love when and death is in like a show. And it also has like drama and there's a prom yeah. happening and it like leaves us on cliffhangers. It's good. I really like it. And the mom on the show. Is your favorite person ever. Yeah. This is if if it hadn't worked out with me and mom, she's my second choice for a wife, Tiffany Amber Oh Thiesen. my God, you're horrible. No, I said my I said mom was first choice. She was my backup plan. Yeah. I just was going to move to Hollywood and. <laughs> Hey, mom was, jerk. mom was drooling over that dude in the, in the Yeah, and the you movie, made several Kissing comments about night. how he was a horrible actor because you get very defensive <laughs> and jealous and start like trying to make mom think that he's a bad person because you want to look like him. Uh, he was, he was kind of too tall. He was like, he was like Andre the Giant. Water around. So Kate, so Alexa and Kate. Katie. Alexa and Katie. What, so the girl... What was the cliffhanger for this show? Um, it well, she was also like not only going through struggles within her like having cancer and people treating her in a different way. Yeah. But at the end of the show, like the last episode, I'm pretty sure it's either one of the last or the last is of her at the prom with her brother's best friend. Yeah. And they're together. And then she shows up at the prom and she takes her wig off. Like she doesn't wanna 
ah. be wearing the wig. She wants to just be herself and everyone shows up and I'm pretty... Oh, she shows up with a, you know, like the sickness masks that yeah. people wear because she like her doctor didn't want her to go back to the prom. Yeah. She showed up to the prom and everyone was wearing them. Oh. And that was like the end of the last episode. That's right in your wheelhouse. Uh-huh. You love that stuff. Uh-huh. 100% but, around tomatoes. The, <laughs> really? The the Bachelorette comes back. Another one of your favorites. Um, we watched the first episode. Uh, you don't like the first episodes that much though. I mean- it's just like there's no drama and it's only like you're looking for the jerk who goes back a couple times. And I yeah. mean, my favorite guy is the is the blonde guy, the kind of jerky stuck up model, model guy, guy. Yeah, you like who's that guy. Like, Cause he's like, he's comedy. He's kind of, yeah, he's comedy and he's really funny and he's unafraid and just super mean and mom loves him and I love him because he's mean to everyone else he's kind of like they don't really have a career in this season like no one's extraordinarily good looking yeah what would what would eighth grade bachelor be like I'd love to I'd love to do that and I'd love to see that I'm eighth grade fat wow it's kind of like what every bar mitzvah is like to some degree (laughs) whoever the how many bar mitzvahs have you gone to like 20 15 and you listened to me on giving a speech finally. Yeah. I'm good at giving speeches. I know you did a good job. I've done But good I told jobs. you I know, but I t- what did I tell you? Um Don't to not like make, feel make like the speech. Oh my god, you're beautiful. I love you. You're my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> How many bar mitzvahs almost over? Yeah, I have like a couple more left. What else is going on for pop culture for 13-year-olds? Um a lot of Instagram stuff. A lot of Instagram stuff, but also there's this show that came out that's like a kind of a YouTube show revolved around YouTubers my age. Yeah. And they make different little shows. It's via this thing called Brat. Yeah. And they make like a bunch of different little series. And I've been like kind of obsessed with one of the shows, even though it's horrible. Like I really like it because it's revolved around drama within these, this like group of kids who are actual YouTubers in real life and have relation. And then it's like relations, like they. What does that mean? No, like they're siblings, either oh. siblings or they're like dating in real life. Oh. And then they um. And they there's like different plots and twists to each show, and there's like one that's called Total Eclipse, and it's about like it's kind of revolved around space. What's the show called? Well, it's like it's an entire thing called Brat, and then they oh. have little shows gotcha. within. So your goal is to get a show on Brat? Is, that, is this an audition right now? <laughs> no. Can you explain to uh, the audience what Fortnite has done to your school? Oh my God. I can't even, uh, I can't even hear the word Fortnite anymore. It's every, um, every boy every in single boy, who has a they PS4, think it makes, yeah, PS4 they, or an Xbox. They think it makes them seem so cool to be playing Fortnite. Kyle, you don't like Fortnite? No, Kyle. Kyle doesn't support Fortnite. Oh. But Kyle does support Star Wars. This is the biggest video game thing that's it's happened the since you've been in school. hugest video game. I mean, like during class, people will be passing notes about like their rankings and how high they've gotten within Fortnite. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's actually insane. And can I talk about what's happened with Ben? Yeah, we can. This could be our episode of Parent Corner. We don't have Saturday, but you can take Sal's role. <laughs> um, ben plays Fortnite. Or used to, he would tell my parents that he was doing his homework 
or that he didn't have homework that week and wasn't assigned homework. And we'll be upstairs on FaceTime with either his friends or his girlfriend or something and talking to them shirtless playing Fortnite. <laughs> and I'll walk into his room and I'll be like, Ben, did you do your homework? And he'll be like, I don't have any homework this week. And then you get, and mom gets a text from the teachers asking why he didn't do his homework. Yeah. So let's just say well, we, Fortnite's gone. We explained to the audience that Ben is a liar. Well, Ben's your brother. a condescending liar. He's more than a liar. He's like. Yeah, he's a conniving liar. Yeah, he's horrible. Um, It's going to be your job to prevent him from having parties every time mom and I go somewhere. I might just like lock myself in my room whenever you guys go away. Well, can you explain to them why we had to take Fortnite away from him? Because he com becomes a complete jerk and yeah, he became like a different human being. He he would be upstairs and he'd all you'd hear from his room is screaming. He's like, "God damn it! I lost! I got second place!" And all you hear is like yeah. screaming from upstairs. And then he would stop downstairs. Yeah. And he'd stop downstairs crying. Mom, <laughs> just he just can't handle video games. Um, <sighs> what else do we need to know? Instagram culture. Um, What's up with all these selfies that you and all of your friends take of these like, here's a picture of me and how cute I am right now. And it's kind of artsy. And why is this happening? That's just like what Instagram is, I guess. It's like an extension of yourself and people put it out there, I guess. I don't know. That's not a good enough explanation. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> what about why do you, why do you guys do Instagram live? Why, um, why is that interesting to anyone? Because just you staring you at a camera and babbling for an hour and a half. <laughs> when you don't, well, you have FaceTime and I FaceTime all my friends because I'm like get bored sometimes. And if they don't answer, then I'll go on Instagram live, see who comes on. And then I'll just talk to them through there and then hang up on the a live video and then go FaceTime them. Yeah. So it's kind of like I'm seeing where my friends are and what they're doing. So then I can talk to them. When, whenever you say you get bored, it makes me want to want to uh, take your iPhone and set it on fire. You have so many more entertainment options than I, I had as a kid. It's just if I'm I so, like- My 13-year-old <laughs> me is so jealous of all the things you get to potentially do every day to avoid being well, bored. Well, if it's just like I want to talk to my stuff. friends, if I want to be around my friends, I guess, is a better thing to say. Like if I want to talk to my friends. Okay. Then that's what other, any other summer culture you're excited about this summer? Hmm. Um, music a little bit. Mu oh, like your music, you mean? Yeah. Like, oh, I thought you meant like a music show or something. No, like Imagine Dragons are going to be. Oh, on that tour, music. Yeah. And they're my absolute favorite band ever, like in the entire world. So I'm excited to watch that on TV and see that stuff and like listen to their music because okay. I really support that band. Um, do you want to give yeah. any shout outs to any, um, any celebrities out there who are <laughs> idolized by 13 year olds? Who's hmm. giving me the top three right now? Power rankings. Okay. Let's think. Um, I mean, who has the highest approval rating with the 13 year old girls right now? There's so many people. It's like insane. Let me think. Sean Mendes. He's a big one, but I don't think he's, he's the not top. in the top three. He, he probably. The kid from stranger things. I would say Millie Bobby Brown is a huge one. Millie Bobby Brown, okay. For 13-year-olds. What does she do? I never really figured that out. Is she on she's, TV show? She's on Stranger Things. She's the main character. Oh, yeah, Jesus. yeah, okay. Jesus, my I God. Didn't know, I didn't know what their name was. 
But um, she's dating Jacob Satorius right now, so everyone's really pissed because everyone hates Jacob Satorius and he cheated on her. And then, how do you know all this? It's this just is like, like what's going on right now. It's like how it's do you like know the that, news for us. It's like how, instead how does, of watching the news broadcasted, it's like through Instagram looking at pictures of Millie Bobby Brown and Jacob Zatorias. He cheated. At, how do you know he cheated on her? Because there was a video leaked. Oh the, Jesus! Yeah, Jake Paul and and uh, uh, the brother are even, not cool anymore, right? No, I mean really big singers right now like Sean Mendez in my opinion Sean Mendez Imagine Imagine Dragons yeah um Adele Bruno Mars Sam Smith Sam Smith that's All a those. tough one for the car for me I mean you just don't get it you, I don't get why every song is like this he's such a jerk he's the worst <laughs> he's not the worst I support Adele I love Adele She's what well, it's like also people like music and like listening to this type of music because of the person in general. Yeah. And like Adele's attitude towards everything. She's like an awesome person. You want to be friends with Adele? Of course I want to be friends with Adele. Everyone wants to be friends with Adele. You like the the, the lady from American Idol you think is talented? Oh yeah, Iowa? the girl who just won. Yeah. Yeah, she I like her a lot. I think she's really cool. Did you just look at your phone during a podcast? No, that's it. We're wrapping up. I was checking the time. No, oh, well, because because you're you're going somewhere now. I have to yeah. go drop you off somewhere. No, I thought Lyft was taking me. Lyft. No, see, notice the audience. I've turned on Uber. Uber's out. Uber's out. I'm only Lyft. Yeah, don't. Uber. The bait and switches of Uber. Too too many times for them. Um. All right. Well, thank you for this update. We need a name for this segment. Um. Can I come on like? Every six months. Well, you were saying that you think there should be a 13-year-old girl podcast. There should. You you, you want to host your own 13-year-old girl yes. podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. <laughs> Leave comments down below. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you host it with, though? You need a sidekick. I need a sidekick. <clears throat> I don't Julie think you have the sidekick. <laughs> Juliet? Well, Juliet's just, not 13. I know, but she gets it, unlike you. What do you mean, unlike me? I just don't get the... You don't get Sam Smith, who's like one of the biggest singers right now. And you don't get Instagram. You don't get. I do get Instagram. What I don't, you don't get, get is the. You don't get my TV shows. I get most of your TV shows. I don't get the Instagram selfies. Like here's a shot of the back of my, here's a shot of my butt sticking out and I'm turning around, but I'm not looking at the camera. It's like, <laughs> what are you guys modeling? It's freaking Instagram. I might take your phone. Um, no. All right, we'll figure out. If you can figure out a sidekick, we can try out. You, really? Yeah. You're, you're, For realsies? <laughs> I don't know if. Uh, Why do you sound so weird right now? I don't know. I just had a seizure. Um, it would be. I feel like it would. What? What would be. I'd produce it, right? Kyle yeah, wants Kyle. to produce it. Of course Kyle would So if you're it. doing a podcast this week, what would the ep what would the topic be this week? Stranger Things? I mean. If something dramatic happens, yeah, I mean, not dramatic towards like anything real, but dramatic throughout like the community of kids my age and the things that we like, then that would be a segment. Yeah. And I feel like people would listen to that. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see we'll what the see. audience thinks. <laughs> uh, Zoe, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. You know, I forced you to come on because you're stuck in my office. Hey. Um, <laughs> All right. Thanks so much to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. 
Thanks to the Shack House podcast presented by Callaway. Hope you listened to that heading into the U.S. Open. Thanks to Gillette. Gillette offers a variety of shaving products for every guy, regardless of his personal style, skin needs, or budget. Whether you want three blades or five, the Gillette 3 and Gillette 5 razors have you covered all under $10 or buy your wife the Venus Vanilla. High performance at a low price. Get Gillette performance delivered to your door. Find Gillette 5 or whatever else at GilletteOnDemand.com. Subscribe today. I am traveling for the finals. Um, We have an announcement about something we're involved in with the ringer for the finals tomorrow. Stay tuned for that on Tuesday. And uh, we have some good stuff coming over the next couple of weeks. Thanks to my daughter for coming on. Thanks to Rob Stone. Thanks to Kevin Hench. Um, Apologies to my dad. We'll talk to you when when you've emotionally recovered from this. And uh, we'll we'll check you out later in the week on the BS Podcast.